Sluts and Scholars, a podcast for professionals who prioritize pleasure. You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Sluts and Scholars is a podcast produced by Sluts and Scholars Media, LLC. It is a shame-free educational podcast made for your entertainment and informational desires only. The podcast, any opinions we share, and any resources, including social media and emails from us, are not therapy, medical care, or professional advice, and do not create a patient-client relationship. None of the information, opinions, suggestions, resources, or exercises mentioned in this podcast should be used without clearance from your healthcare provider. All opinions, information, and ideas expressed by the guests are solely their own. If you need emergency mental health or medical help, please call 911 or 988 or go to your nearest emergency center. We hope you enjoy the show. Hey, slutty scholars, I'm switching things up a bit today and bringing you a preview of a podcast that I think you'll love. The podcast is called Sex Ed with DB, and you may remember DB from a recent episode. So listen up for a little teaser from DB featuring a clip from one of her episodes with Dr. Jen Gunter. Hey there, I'm DB, host of the podcast Sex Ed with DB, where we serve up all the sex education you wish you had. We're on a mission to provide everyone with comprehensive, inclusive, pleasure-centered, and medically accurate sex education. Every week, we dive into conversations with fascinating guests from various backgrounds, sex workers, therapists, kinksters, gynecologists, and more. Because let's face it, there's always more to learn about our bodies and desires. In this clip, get a sneak peek into my recent chat with the incredible Dr. Jen Gunter, a gynecologist, best-selling author, and all-around vagina mythbuster. Dr. Jen shares why she started writing, specifically about periods, menopause, and the rise of distrust in hormonal contraception. She also talks about shutting down stigma and shame, her personal experience with difficult periods and shame as a teenager, and how shame is an effective method of patriarchal control. If you can't talk about your body, you can't learn about it. Loving what you hear? Hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts for more insightful conversations. Join us at Sex Ed with DB for a sex ed experience like no other. Here I am with the one and only Dr. Jen Gunter. Let's talk about briefly your other two best-selling books, which are The Menopause Manifesto and The Vagina Bible. And so I'm wondering if you can kind of maybe talk about like the arc of the three and like maybe how this writing the third one was maybe a little different or similar to writing the other two. Yes. Well, I probably diverge a little bit from J.R.R. Tolkien in, you know, in the in the construct of my trilogy. I think he had all of the Lord of the Rings sort of, you know, world built and uh, that wasn't the case for me. So because I, I don't do anything with that much planning. So I um I wrote the Vagina Bible sort of in response to my early days of blogging and being online and just like myths about the vagina seemed to be the thing that was was selling copy, whether it's bad advice about sex, whether it's bad advice about supplements, bad advice about medicine, you know, you name it. I would see people in the office every single day who had done things that were, you know, I wouldn't recommend or it had bad advice from doctors. And I just kept thinking, okay, if all these people had had all my knowledge in my head or not all of it, but a good part of it, what would their trajectory have been? And so that led me to the vagina Bible. And then when I uh, was on tour for the vagina Bible, uh, 
people, you know, vagina, vulva, these are the, I thought they were the last taboos, right? But it turns out they weren't, uh, which surprised me because once people were able to stand up and ask about vaginas, discharge and, you know, pain with putting a penis in, things that are very intimate, then all of a sudden the room erupted into questions about menopause. And I really wasn't, I was not expecting that. You know, there'd be five, six, seven questions that were all book related. And then someone would ask about menopause. And I had included a bit in the book, like as it relates to the vagina, but that was it. And I was actually not prepared for that. And so I thought, wow, I think there's something here because as an expert in your own area, you know, I know a lot about menopause and you just kind of assume that everybody has the knowledge you have in your head. I'm sure in the same way, when I go talk to the car mechanic, he assumes like, I know what these things do in the engine and I do not, you know, absolutely so, zero. You know, like, or when someone tells me something about my computer and they're like the motherboard, I'm like, what are you even talking about? What's that word mean? Um, explain yourself. Yeah. Like I, I'm always like, when people tell me about computers, I'm like, explain it to me. Like I'm four years <laughs> right, old. Right. So I started to think, wow, I, I wonder if the way I feel about computers might translate in some way to how people feel about menopause, right? And then, um, so then I realized that I needed to write a book about that. So I did. And then uh, that was, I'll be totally honest, it was a two book deal. So I had to come out with a th another book. <laughs> okay, totally fair, like so the I, transparency. Like I was totally not, I had no idea what that the, the next book was gonna be. But then again, as chance would have it, or I like to think it's probably less chance and more like I'm paying close attention to what's going on. Uh, this, I finished the book and started promoting it, unfortunately, during peak COVID. So there was no book tour. But um, around that time, there was all this disinformation about the COVID vaccine and the mm. menstrual cycle and fertility and shedding spike proteins. And, and then the way people were talking about it, it was clear to me they didn't have an understanding of what normal was for the menstrual cycle or a lot of people. And again, there were gaps. We didn't have vaccine research in related to the menstrual cycle, but people were running away with that in a way that was perhaps not backed by science. And then this also seemed to coincide, maybe coincidentally, maybe not, with the sort of this rise of distrust about hormonal contraception. This really cottage industry of scaring people about hormonal contraception and about how evil it is and it changes your brain and mm. it makes you pick the wrong partner and all these things that are not backed by science and in many ways reduce women to being fragile creatures controlled by hormones, right? Mm. And again, there's a huge overlap with purity culture and staying away from medications and, you know... Uh, disinformation about the birth control pill and things like that. And so I realized again that, um, that I needed this, this was the area. And because of all of this disinformation about hormonal contraception, that's why I ended up having to write so much about it in the book. Because not only are these tools important for many people for contraception, but they're also important medical therapies for many conditions. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we're literally seeing people who have severe anemia from heavy periods where there's no other cause and they don't want to have their uterus out because maybe they're 22 and they want to have children and they won't take a hormonal medication because of what they heard online. And so they have anemia. Um, and so, you know, so that, that was kind of the, you know, the response to that. And so, so that's how we got this three book series and that's the dramatic arc. Wow. Incredible. Yeah. I mean, there's so many 
pieces of information that are so critical in this book. And I think the way that you write it out, it's so detailed. And at the same time, at the end of each chapter, you have like a bottom line, right? So it's like, okay, like let's everyone pay attention. This is kind of the key that you really want to pay attention to. Um, and yeah, I, I think that. It's, it's incredible what, what you've done and what you've written. And, and clearly so many people get so much out of it. M- millions of people, um, really adore your books and really feel more empowered because of them. And I think that's kind of like the next topic I'd like to move into is this idea of like shutting down stigma and shame and kind of increasing empowerment. Mm-hmm. But first, you know, in blood and in your amazing TED talk, you share your experience personally with periods as a teen, as a young person, and how painful and challenging they were. And I wonder if you could share that story and maybe talk a little bit about if it does have kind of any uh, connection uh, or is a precursor to some of the work that you're doing or you you kind of like, you know, what basically how your experience as a young person influenced your decision uh, for your career and for your writing as an adult. Yeah. So yeah, I had very heavy periods. I mean, catastrophically heavy. Like I used to have to wear two menstrual pads. And this was back in the day when the pads were literally the size of a Kleenex box. I mean, they're massive. Wow. And I had to sleep with a towel on the bed. I'm like, oh. you guys have no idea how far absorbent technology has come. I'm yeah. just saying. I had to sleep with a towel on the bed. I mean, it was just, you know, terrible, terrible cramps. Um, my dad used to give me Cody. Wow. Yeah, I know. Right. Um, And I was always off school one day, a cycle. And my mom just said, well, that's what it's like. I was like, okay. Okay. So because you're 14, like, what do you like? Nobody talks about it. And that's kind of the the point about shame. Like, you know, maybe Judy Bloom taught me about periods and maybe I read about them maybe in Teen Beat or, you know, whatever magazines I was reading. But no one talked about like, the actual mechanics, mm. right? Like how much blood there is, how much it might hurt. And I also had terrible period diarrhea, like just, and I'd never heard that from anybody. So, you know, so I went through like a large part of my life thinking like this was normal and this mm-hmm. was just the way it was. And uh, it wasn't until I tried to give blood when I first started, at co- went to college, right? You're 18, you can get blood. Uh, you know, there's a blood drive at the university and I got turned away because I my, was my you know, they did a little fingertip test for iron in your blood and I didn't pass. They said, you should go to your doctor and you might have anemia and you're a woman. So maybe it's from your periods. And I went, oh, okay. That makes sense. I'm losing blood. Never thought about that. And I went to a doctor who was female, by the way, who basically said that that's the way it was. And I should just eat more liver. I should eat liver. Oh my God. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like I sort of assumed I was going to get like, like, I didn't know anything about medicine. I was like, you know, and I thought, okay, all right. Well, I'm, I'm not going to do that. So I guess this is just how it is, you know? And it, you know, it wasn't until I got into medical school, which is at a very early age. And I was in medical school when I was 20. And then I started to get all of this information and I was like, Oh, okay. Um, wow. There's medications for cramps. Oh, I can't take those. I have kidney disease. Okay. Um, but I could do these other things. And, um, you know, and that's where I would still remember. And I wrote about it in the book, sitting in class, this class about prostaglandins. So these are hormones that your body makes and they can cause pain and they can also cause diarrhea and they cause menstrual cramps. And I remember hearing, wait a minute, they're, they're released during menstruation 
and they caused diarrhea. This is like a light bulb moment. Like literally like it was like a cartoon click. And I was like, you know, it's the end of the class. Like I ran down and I talked to the professor and I'm like, so do you think people could get like diarrhea during their periods? And he was like, well, I never really thought about it, but of course. I was like, you never really thought about it, <laughs> but of course. Yeah. And, and then I later found out that, you know, 12% of people who menstruate have menstrual diarrhea. And I was stunned, wow. just stunned that my whole life, I thought I was the only person. I just, it just astounded me that it was 12%. And every time I still to this day talk about it, tweet about it, I mentioned it in my TED talk when I gave my TED talk. Several people came up to me afterwards and said, I thought I was the only one with menstrual diarrhea. Like, totally. how, like 12% of women. So if you want to say half the population menstruates, 6% of the world's population will have experienced menstrual diarrhea. It's about the incidence of asthma, you know, many other chronic medical conditions that everybody knows about. It's not talked about. Exactly. And the other ones we talk about all the time with no shame and no, I mean, right. the second it has to do with the vulva or the uterus or, you know, same concept around STIs. Like, oh, if I have strep throat, that's fine to talk about, but I can't talk about HPV or other things right. that are embarrassing. Yeah. And all the shame does is, first of all, stops people from getting care because if you mm-hmm. get treated poorly, you're not going to go back. And it's like, okay, what's better for someone with a medical condition for them to come to the doctor or not come to the doctor? Like shaming doesn't improve. It's not, nobody in the history of the world has probably ever stopped a behavior really because of shame. I mean, like it's just like one, it makes people feel bad, but if your goal is to help them, that's not what's going to help. Absolutely. Um, And so there's that issue. There's the shame component. And then there's this idea that, you know, it's an effective weapon of control, right? So Mm. if you can't talk about what's happening to your body, you can't learn about it. That keeps you off balance. That it's really a very patriarchal tool, I think. That was a preview of one of my favorite podcasts, Sex Ed with DB. You can find out more about her show at sexedwithdb.com. I'll be back with more Sluts and Scholars episodes next week. In the meantime, don't forget to submit a question for my upcoming Q&A episode. Just go to sluttyscholars.com and click ask a question. Talk to you then. Sluts and Scholars, a podcast for professionals who prioritize pleasure. Sluts and Scholars is a podcast produced by Sluts and Scholars Media, LLC. It is a shame-free educational podcast made for your entertainment and informational desires only. The podcast, any opinions we share, and any resources, including social media and emails from us, are not therapy, medical care, or professional advice, and do not create a patient-client relationship. None of the information, opinions, suggestions, resources, or exercises mentioned in this podcast should be used without clearance from your healthcare provider. All opinions, information, and ideas expressed by the guests are solely their own. If you need emergency mental health or medical help, please call 911 or 988 or go to your nearest emergency center. We hope you enjoy the show.